Well, we've been in this series that has been titled Hindsight is 2020. We've just been taking a look at what people have called the dumpster fire of the year. And we have been showing that God is able to redeem some things that we thought were unredeemable. Uh, he can redeem our hope, even though you may have lost hope. He can redeem your peace, even though you may not be experiencing peace. He can redeem your joy, even though you've experienced happiness. Maybe you've never experienced the totality of joy that God offers to you. And he can redeem love as well. Welcome. Uh, Merry Christmas. My name is Matt. I'm glad that you're here. I know that some of you risked it to be here. This has been a hallmark of your holiday. You, you stepped out of the house. You don't commonly do that. I mean, because of all the things that have happened and transpired and you, you've made your way here. Thank you for being here. I'm glad you risked it. Some of you were dragged here and uh, you have not allowed this to become the hallmark of your holiday. As a matter of fact, if you didn't come, you weren't going to get dinner or you weren't going to have presents uh, that you're going to be allowed to open. And so to keep peace kind of for the night, you you came, and I want to thank you for being here. God has an important word for all of us to hear this evening. You know, surrounded by all the uncertainty of 2020 and the fear and the insecurity and the trouble, I want to remind you that there stands an unchangeable, reliable Savior, and his name is Jesus. You know, God is the author of life, and there are some things that are out of our control. And may I remind you that anything that is out of your control is under God's control. And God is using this year, and he wants to use even your mess so that you can have a message out of it. He wants to use this year and the trials that you've been going through so that those trials can turn into a triumph. He wants to use these moments where you have a, a test that you're going through and turn them into a testimony on how God has redeemed the problems, the past, the pains that have existed in your life. You see, God is the author of your story. And friend, your story is not over. There is no conclusion that is yet to be written just yet. And though you may want it over or though you may have experienced some chapters that you would rather have erased or torn out of the book of your life, God says, I can redeem those chapters and I can write some new ones and I'll give you a better conclusion than anything that you've ever dreamed. But I know that sometimes life just doesn't go as planned. And so in that moment, you don't see that because you're in that fog and you can't understand that, that God can do something good in what you consider extremely bad. I heard about uh, this married couple that were high school sweethearts. They were celebrating their wedding anniversary, and the husband was celebrating at the very same time his 60th birthday. And an angel of the Lord appeared at the party and had asked the husband and the wife for a wish. He just said, because of your longevity of love and your faithfulness to one another, I want to grant you a wish from heaven. And so he looked over the wife, and the wife was quick to come up with something. She said, you know what? We've been poor for so long. We've never really had enough money to go and travel with one another and just spend time together. I would always love to travel the world. And immediately the angel answered her, her wish, and poof, in her hands were all the arrangements that needed to be made to travel the world together with her husband. The angel looked over at the husband and said, well, what can I grant for you? And the husband thought for just a moment, and he said, you know what? I wish that my wife were 30 years younger. And immediately the angel granted his wish, and poof, he was 90 years old. <laughs> you know, sometimes life just doesn't go as planned. And whether it's a wish, or it's a moment, or a month, or a year, sometimes things don't happen the way that we want them to. Like, think if you could just kind of go back in time, and you could tell yourself, finish the degree. Stick with that job. Hold on to the marriage. Don't give up on that kid. Or what if you could go back and tell your teenage self, Get out of that relationship. Or, or note to self, don't take, don't take that drink. Don't take that puff. Don't take that hit. Friend, can I just remind you what Christmas is? Christmas is the moment when God came into our mess. When he entered our circumstances 
and experience firsthand the pain and the hurts and the trials and the tragedies that we all experience as humans. And you know why he did that? He did that so you could be rescued from your yesterdays. So you could write a new chapter in your story today. And so that you could have hope for all of your tomorrows. And Christ, God himself, became one of us. God in the flesh. And I just want to show you a reenactment of what possibly could have happened that very first Christmas. Take a look. It starts with Mary and Joseph. An angel appeared to Mary and said, You're you're gonna have a baby. What? Because she didn't think the angel that was really gonna give her a baby. The angel came to Joseph and said, Mary's not lying. You're gonna have a baby. Little baby Jesus. She is pregnant with Jesus? They met together and they went to Bethlehem. It's like a place with no water on a donkey. Camels on a horse. Donkeys eat grass and that's the gas. Um, well, because um, they didn't have a car. They went to an inn and the innkeeper said, we have no place to stay, but we do have a stable. But, but what if they get in there and they accidentally laid on poop? The angel appeared to the shepherds and they were watching the flock of sheep. The angel told the good news. They got a baby! And it was named Jesus! and heard about the news and a bright star appeared. They righted something on the star. No, they did not. We should probably follow the star. Unless not, it might lead us to a bad place. We should follow it. They followed the star and it led them to the stable. <laughs> then the three wise men arrived with gifts. Goldfish. Frankenmoney. Gold. Frankenstein and myrrh. Like mermaid! Joseph made a little bed and they put the baby in. You were born, Jesus. Why does that baby can I hold you? This baby's gonna change the world. Now, that moment that was acted out before you is called the Christmas narrative. It's found in the Gospels, which are found in God's Word called the Bible. And it is the moment where God came and became, became man. You know, that's a, a term that theologians use. It's called the incarnation of God, the incarnation of Christ, where God took off the royal robes of heaven and put on the sackcloth of humanity. He did that so he could communicate with us the great love that he has for us. Now, I suppose if he wanted to communicate with dogs, he would have become a dog. If he wanted to communicate with cats, no, he would never become a cat. But he became a human because he wanted to communicate with you. And he wanted to say it personally. And, and so he didn't send a prophet. He didn't send an angel. He, he sent his one and only son. So what did he want to communicate that Christmas? Well, it's real simple because oftentimes there is a complexity of Christmas and we miss the simplicity of the season. He wanted to connect with you and communicate that he loves you. Friend, let's never forget, God loves you. 
And he doesn't want to punish you for your past. As a matter of fact, he wants to pardon you from your past. You see, there is this misconception that God is angry with you. And some of you walked in these doors and you felt like, why isn't the door, why isn't the building falling down around me? Because God's not angry at you. And some of you have suggested that anytime anything goes bad or there's any kind of misstep in your life or things don't work out the way, that there must be this black cloud that God sent your way. And every now and then he sends the rain upon you and lightning to strike around you. And it only follows you. But that's not true at all because God is not angry at you. No, God's not mad at you. He's madly in love with you because that's the essence of who he is. Listen to the Psalms of how they talk about God. The Lord is good to, what's the word? Everyone. He shows compassion to all his creation. Last time I checked, you fit in the category of everyone, and so do I. And he's not angry with you. He's, he's in love with you. And let me just remind you of how important and special you are to God. You have been hand-created and knitted in your mother's womb. When God created you, he, he literally broke the mold. There is only one of you, just as there's only one snowflake that looks like its own and no or two the like, no two of you have ever been made, will never be made. God's pretty impressed with who you are. That's why he formed you. He didn't give up on you. You have more chapters left to your story. And there is nothing that you can do to make God stop loving you. You want to know why? Because his love's not based on the content of what you produce. His love's based on his character. It's just who he is. God is love. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 19 says, Christ's love is greater than anyone can ever know. You might have an understanding of how deep you think God loves you, how great his grace is. It goes further. Multiply that by a thousand and you're still not even close. Paul says, but I pray that you will be able to know that love. And that's been my prayer for you all week, that you'll know God's grace, the depth of it, and understand how madly he is in love with you. Then you can be filled with the fullness of God. It's, it's just my thought that maybe some of you are not filled with God. You're not filled with peace. You're not filled with joy. That's not how you classify your life. Because those are the characteristics, those are the fruits of someone who has God in their life and has accepted that great love. But I tell you, just as much as God is madly in love with you, there is one thing about our lives that he gets mad about, and that's our sin. You know what sin is? Sin is when we rebel against God. I'm a father of five boys. You can pray for me this this season. And those five boys oftentimes do what I ask them to do, and it just creates for me a whole bunch of love for them, and I know they love me because they are, they are doing what I've commanded them to do. But there are times when sometimes out of neglect, they don't do what I do, and I'm disappointed in them. Now, I don't get royally angry at them. There are times, though, when they, they do something and totally go against my authority, and they, they, they blatantly disrespect their father's ask of them blatant rebellion. Then I'm angry. Then the wrath of dad pops out. But I'm not angry. I still love my kids, but I'm angry about what they've done. And God at times is angry about what you've done because he recognizes the hurt and the pain, the heartache it's going to bring on your life and the life of others. And he recognizes that you and he are going to have the relationship broken because of that. You see, God and sin are like oil and water. They just don't mix. And the problem with sin and us is all of us all of us have sinned. You see, the Bible says in Romans chapter 3, all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. If God is perfection and I'm not, the only thing that I'm perfect at is being imperfect. You see, I played a lot of baseball growing up. 
And I have recognized that all I had to do was look over my scorecard to see through the season that I wasn't a perfect batter. I never batted a 1,000. And I wasn't a perfect fielder. I had some errors in the field. And I would bet to say, as you look over the course of your life, you'd say, I've never batted a 1,000. I had some outs and some strikeouts. And in, in, in my life, I also had some errors also. And see, God is holy, and we're not. But that doesn't make you worthless. It just, just makes us imperfect. And I don't want you to suggest that maybe because you're imperfect, you're worthless. God doesn't create junk. That's not who our God is. He has come to us and loves us and welcomes us into his presence. That's who our God is. And he is perfect. And he wants a relationship with imperfect people. And he's communicating to you, I love you. And that's why I wanted to connect with you at Christmas. So here's what I'm trying to tell you. Quit fighting him. Quit fighting him. And just welcome in his forgiveness. Welcome his forgiveness of the sin, the disobedience, the blatantness of just thumbing your nose at him and say, God, I just welcome your son into my life. I'm realizing today I love you, that you don't want to punish me. You want to pardon me. And I accept the pardon today, the person Jesus Christ. There's a very famous court case that took place in 1830 in the United States, made it all the way to the Supreme Court. It was called United States versus Wilson. George Wilson was a man who was guilty of robbing the U.S. mail. And back in the day, when you were guilty of robbing the federal mail, you were to be punished by an execution. But his friends stepped in. And they intervened with Andrew Jackson, who was the president of the time. They told Jackson, you need to pardon our friend. Jackson responded to that and sent out a pardon to the governor and said that George Wilson should be pardoned. But here was the problem. George Wilson denied the pardon and said, go ahead and put me to death. I don't want to be pardoned. Now, in the United States, they've never faced anything like that. It was the first time that it ever happened. And so the Supreme Court made this ruling about what should happen with that pardon and George Wilson. And here's how they responded. A pardon, even though it's granted, is not a pardon until it's willfully accepted by the one who has been condemned. George Wilson was hanged. Colossians chapter 1 verse 21 says, Once you were alienated from God and you were his enemy... In your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled. You know what that means? You were broken apart, but now you're back together again. You were reconciled by Christ's physical body through death to present, uh, to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Meaning God has sent you a pardon in the person of Jesus and you can accept him or deny him. And friend, my, my plea to you today is quit fighting him and accept the pardon that's found in Jesus. That's what Christmas is all about. He not only loves you, but God is with you. You may have never recognized this, but the scriptures say that when you receive Jesus, that God becomes a part of you. He wants to live in you. There's a rock star apostle by the name of the Apostle Paul. His stories are often found in the book of Acts. It's just the acts of the apostles, what they did in the spreading of the gospel, the good news of Jesus. And there's some people that came to Paul after he was preaching. They said, Paul, you told us the gospel message that God made it perfect we broke it, and that Jesus came to fix it. We know that here. We know you're a good God. We know everything about Jesus here, but we've never put it here. What should we do? And what Paul ultimately says to them is, you recognize in your mind who Jesus is. You believe who he is. There's a lot of people believe that Jesus is God's son. They've just never done anything with that belief. They have a head knowledge, but it's not changing their life. It's not changing their story. It's not helping their mess. It's not changing their circumstances. It's not giving them peace and comfort and hope. It's not helping them move through 2020 with security. No, you're walking in fear. And so he's saying, I know you have a lot of head knowledge. How about we go from the head to the heart, which is the hardest journey. From the nine inches from head to heart, it's the hardest journey. And so the apostle Paul says to these people in Acts chapter 19, did you take God into your mind only? 
which maybe is what you've done. You believe, but you just haven't lived out that belief in faith. Or did you also embrace him in your heart? Did he get inside of you? They say, we've never heard of that. A Holy Spirit, God within us. Do you catch that phrase, God within us? Then they say, what, what do we do? And here's what happens. On hearing this, they were baptized because that's where it begins. That's where faith begins, right there. Faith is an action. It's a movement. It's taking belief and doing something with it. That's faith. Do you have faith that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God? Then be baptized. Start your new birth, your journey there in the name of Jesus. Now listen, I want to let you know that, that God could live anywhere, right? He created this world. There's so many beautiful things in this earth. And just think about the expansion of the galaxies that we've yet to even explore. God has created all. He could live anywhere. He created the greatest palace that he could have ever invented or imagined, the greatest kingdom that he could have ever imagined. But he wants to live right in your heart. Friend, he's not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. And he wants to be with you. God is, God is with you. And he wants to live right here in your heart. First Corinthians chapter 3 says, don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God lives in you? See, the Scriptures double down on that. So he doesn't want to just dwell there. He doesn't want to just rent the space. He wants to live in you. That's where we get that term from the Scriptures right out of the Christmas story that he is Emmanuel, God within us, or God with us. It's a Hebrew word. It's from abbreviation of the Hebrew word Elohim, and that word literally means the with us God. Hey, catch this. It doesn't mean the nearest God. It doesn't mean kind of the around us God or one day will be with us God or even he was with us God. He is the with us God. And you need to remember that. You know why? Because there's going to be a day when you're going to be making a makeshift bed in the ICU waiting room. If you haven't already. And you're going to be all cried out. You're going to be all prayed out. You're going to be wiped out and emotionally out. And you need to be reminded that there is a with you God right there with you. As you can't even express another utterance of prayer about what you, got, what you want God to, to intervene to do. You're going to need to be reminded of this as you get angry one day and you slam the door behind you and the world doesn't get you. Your boss doesn't understand you. Your parents don't get you. Your, your spouse doesn't understand. I mean, you're trying to make things right. You need to remember there's a with us God in that room with you who does understand you, who does know what you're trying to convey, who understands your heart and your motives behind it. You remember this as you walk through the fears and the anxieties of this world when Walmart looks like the apocalypse. You remember this when there's another outbreak or another panic or another pandemic. You remember this because there's going to be a day when anxiety is going to suffocate you and overwhelm you and fear is going to roll over you like an avalanche crawling down the hill. You can't get out of the way. You're going to remember there's a with you God who loves you. A with you God who has come from the heavens to the earth to live in your heart. The next time that a giant is in front of you, you need to remember there's a with you God who always makes that giant look smaller because of the God, the big God that's inside of you. That's Emmanuel. Hey, let's keep it simple. God loves you. God is with you. Christmas reigns. It's also God is for you. Some of us just forget this, but when we are children of God, when we've placed our trust into Jesus and we've moved from belief into faith, God is with us. And friends, you don't need to impress them to get there. Because I've met these people. They do everything religiously correct. They're trying to impress God. They, 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 they serve. They, they give. They go into the world. And they try to live like Jesus the best way. But they're not doing it out of the love of Jesus. They're doing it because they want to impress God. Friends, you don't need to impress God. God is already madly in love with you. We had a guy in our congregation some years ago. He's passed on now. And 
You can talk about people when they're passed on, right? Okay, good. He would come in and out of the building. He'd be there for like three months for church, and he would just he would give substantially. He would serve amazingly. He would sing mightily. I mean, he was like always just like totally in tune with the Lord for those three months, and then you wouldn't see him for 18 months. You wouldn't see him for two years. Then he'd come back again and be there for two months and do the same kind of thing. Repeat the pattern for year after year, decade after decade. And here's, here's what we found out. He would come to the church when life was in crisis. He would come to the church when he needed to make a major decision. He'd come to the church when he was having problems in his life, and he was trying to get God's favor in his life. Boy, it's hard to get God's favor when he's already shown favor on you, when he already loves you. He's madly in love with you, and he's for you, friend. Look at how Romans chapter 8, let's just kind of end with this. Romans chapter 8 kind of parses this out and just lays this in front of us, how God is for you. Here's how it starts out. It says, if God is for us, who can be against us? Did you catch that? If God is for us, who can be against us? Would you repeat that with me? If God is for us, who can be against us? And so that's the question being to be answered. And here's how the Bible answers it. Verse 32. He, God, who did not spare his own son, Jesus, but gave him up for us all. What did, G, what did God do? He gave his costliest gift to you and I. We didn't deserve it, but he gave his costliest gift to you and I. He didn't hold back. He gave all that he had. Look at the following verse, or rather the second part of the verse. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? So here's what, here's what the scriptures are saying. God has given us his best. Don't you think he'll give us the rest? Or do you think he'll, you know, say, here, the home is yours, but I'm keeping the blender. Verse 33, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who can bring any charge against you? Well, I'll tell you who will. Satan will. Satan will bring all kinds of charges. He'll say, don't you remember the last chapter of your life, how terrible it was? Don't you remember the mess that you made? Why would God love someone like you? You need to remind Satan. You need to remind Satan of your new story that God is writing in your life. Friend, the old adage is, Satan knows your name but calls you by your sin. God knows your sin and calls you by your name because you've been justified. You know what justified means? Layman's terms, just as if you've never sinned. Okay, I know I've sinned. I know I don't bat a thousand in life, but God looks at me because of who Christ is and he says, you've been covered by the perfect blood of Christ, Matt, even though you're imperfect, just as if you've never sinned. And that oil and water thing doesn't exist anymore. God welcomes me into his presence. I am loved by God. God is within me and God is now for me. Look at verse 34. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Satan will try it. Friends might look at you and say, oh, you found Jesus, did you? Really? We'll see how long that lasts. Now, the next time Satan brings up your past, you need to remind him of his future. You have a story in Jesus Christ now. Verse 34, Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God, is also interceding for us. You know that word interceding is? It's a legal term. And I, you know, I, I have a couple of lawyers in my life right now. It's all for good things. Don't worry, it's all for good things. A couple of lawyers in my life. And you know you have to tell lawyer jokes and you get down on lawyers. You get down on lawyers and you tell lawyer jokes when you don't have one and you don't need one. But as soon as you need one, you go, these are pretty good people. I'm glad they're around. You know that word that, word that means uh, intercede for us is a legal term. He's going to advocate for us. He's going to intercede. He's going to say, hang on, Matt. I know, I know you're going to take the stand here. All I need to say to my father is this. He's covered by my blood. He's with me. 
Don't look at his past because it's been forgiven. So here's how it ends, verse 38, for I'm convinced, I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth or anything else in all creation will, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Friends, nothing shall separate us. Nothing shall separate us from the love of God. Not your past, not your present, not what you do in your future. God loves you. He is madly in love with you. If he had a wallet, your picture would be in it. If he had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. God is with you. And when you receive Jesus, you receive God in your life. And he's there so that good fruit will be produced in you through the power of the Holy Spirit. And friend, God is for you and you are more than a conqueror. And whatever 2020 can throw your way, you are more than a conqueror because of God in you. Let's pray together. Father, you're good to us, and I'm thankful for your word as it tells us that you are in love with us, that you are within us as we receive your son Jesus, and you are for us. And Father, we thank you for Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us. And today, we remember and we thank you and we praise you for being a Savior, Messiah, one who has rescued us and redeemed us. May we praise your name, not just this season, but every day of our life. And we pray in Christ's name and we say together.